Cry Malt has been supplying the best ingredients to Australian and New Zealand brewers for 30 years. Their range of malt, hops and yeast is sure to take your beer to the next level. Proud sponsors of Brews News and Beer as a Conversation since the very beginning. Learn more about Cry Malt at www.crymalt.com. part of the plan to put a brewery in but for many years it was just a plan it's a hundred percent acquisition of green beacon no we had a chat with everybody anyone would have seen this coming a mile away you know the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing oh yeah that's super simple and direct question it's always fun to get to speak about beer hi i'm brews news editor matt kirkegaard and that's just what we're here to do talk about beer. This week we meet Grant Smith and Andrew Newton, the founders of Two Mates Brewing in Lismore. Their brewery, built on the ambition of becoming the hub and meeting place for its local community, opened late last year after a fairly fraught and extended development process, not too dissimilar from many breweries in planning, and conversations about building a brewery often offer a great insight for others planning their own brewery. And this would have been a good conversation all of its own. But this conversation has an added dimension. Immediately welcomed by the locals, the brewery had barely found its rhythm when it was devastated by this year's floods. So bad was the damage that it looked like the brewery may not even reopen. But it has. This is a conversation about hockey, mates, beer, community, family, and also resilience. All the things that we truly love about this industry. I hope you enjoy this conversation and are as inspired by it as I was. Grant Smith, Andrew Newton, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Many thanks. Guys, there's been, for for a brewery that hasn't been open very long, you've had quite a journey already. So we might, before we even get into that, we might step back and ask the question that we ask most of our uh, first time guests. Um, Tell us a little bit about Grant Smith and Andrew Newton. Who are you? What are your backgrounds? Ah, what are our backgrounds? Andrew Newton, 30-odd years living down in Sydney, uh, operating in the apparel space, in finance roles, senior executive roles down there. And Grant and I have come together through our, our mutual love, in inverted commas, of, of hockey, uh, which has brought our families together and, uh, more importantly, our, our business together. So it's... A, it gave us, or gave me, an opportunity to head back up to the Northern Rivers, which is where I grew up. So, just explain that. So, so you you were working in finance in Sydney, but you moved for hockey, not even hoppy, hockey. Well, hockey's been the driving force that's brought us together. Yeah, I'd probably say roughly sixteen odd years ago, Grant and I came across each other on a field on opposite sides of the pitch, and that sort of started a friendship journey through those years, which led to us playing together at um, at a higher level albeit in a, um, in a masters-dominated sport, which has um, enabled us to keep uh, following our passion. And off the back of that, our families have spent a fair bit of time together on, on varying trips, both domestically and internationally, and led to a lot of brainstorming over the last few years. Was it the hockey that led you to Lismore, where you are now? Uh, so, we uh, look, we come, our, our backgrounds were different up to probably our 40s. Um, we didn't meet until we were in our 40s or thir- late 30s. Um, my background's in, I'm a, a builder by trade or been in building administration for 30 years. Um, I've uh, 
lived and worked all over Australia in combination with my sport and my uh, and my work, my chosen vocation. So it took me um, both interstate and overseas on both levels. I was fortunate enough to play in the national men's team for 10 years. I went to Olympic Games, uh, managed to travel overseas and play in uh, some of the big uh, competitions over over in throughout Europe. Um, I returned back here. I've been living in this region for about 20 years. I moved down here. It's a bit of a sea change, uh, originally from Canberra, then on to Brisbane for a number of years, and then uh, down to to the Northern Rivers, probably in early 2000s. So off the back of that, we've just continued our love of hockey. Um, I've continued our love, the love of hockey and it's incorporated our families. And uh, as uh, Chuck just alluded to, you know, we've spent a lot of time together traveling both up abroad and throughout Australia, playing hockey, socializing, and uh, off the back of that, this, um, this, I guess, vision for what we wanted to do here locally was created from that. You know, we spent two years putting it together, uh, working nights and weekends whilst we were maintaining our own jobs and our wives are working their jobs and we're looking after families and, um, yeah, it's just kind of snowballed from there. So what was it that saw you both move to Lismore then? Was it the brewery or were you there for other reasons? I'd been in, in Ballina. I actually lived in Ballina for about uh, 10 years. And I relocated out to Casino, where my now wife and, and children or family live. Um, Chucky moved up here off the back of this. So basically, we'd started uh, this venture probably two, just over two and a half years ago. Um, we looked for suitable sites. And as uh, he mentioned before, he originated from the region, from Grafton. And it was always a driving force for him and his family to get back up this way. Just so happened that all the stars aligned when we started talking about opportunity and what vision we had for this place and what we wanted to do for the region in trying to create a legacy. Um, So yeah, the driving force was definitely the business um, and the venture we're on. The the thing that connected us initially was our hockey and our passion for, I guess, life and living. So how did you uh, bond over beer then? What was the uh, impetus? You, you, you had separate work lives, bonded over hockey, but beer has somehow entered your lives in a very meaningful way. I think they go hand in hand, to tell you the <laughs> truth. <laughs> We're tragic hockey players and social drinkers. So at the end of the day, we are, I think, um, yeah, they come from, opportunity comes from strange places. And I guess we'd spend a lot of time on the other side of the bar spent a lot of time traveling, spent a lot of time with our families visiting, you know, places like the Margaret River and, um, you know, throughout Sydney, there's a big craft beer scene and even up up through, you know, Gold Coast, Brisbane. So any opportunity we got, atypically we were, you know, we'd find these places because these types of places were conducive to, you know, good family time, but also enjoying a good brew and some good food. So that's, uh, we tried to emulate that in what we've, uh, what we've created here. A lot of people enjoy wine, for example. You know, they can become very uh, passionate about wine and even visiting wineries on their holidays. But there's a huge difference between having a, an enjoyment of the liquid and deciding to make a business out of it, um, particularly when you've both got other careers. The, vi- the vision on this was, wasn't was actually built around a brewery, believe it or not. It was built around creating a place in which families and friends alike could share and we we've always promoted this place as a community hub as a space that can be used by 
by the people. And that's exactly what it has been doing or was doing up to the flood and will continue to do post-flood. So the, the brewing was born off the back of it because it complements the delivery and the vision. Um, it's artisan handmade. It's of interest to the general punter. Um, it's new to this region, so it's something that they've embraced really well and they love it. Um, so really, and we're still developing, you know, we're still developing ideas. We're still bringing in, you know, other parts of our vision that uh, that will roll out over into the future. But I guess there are a lot of ways you could have gone if you wanted to create a, you know, a community hub or a, a place. You could have opened just a hotel and saved yourselves you know, the, the heartache of um, making beer. Um, but you, you decided to open a brewery. What was the thought behind that or what was the genesis of that? Well, I think one of the positive aspects of a, of a craft brewery is that it's a completely different atmosphere to a, a stock standard pub as such. It's a lot more relaxed atmosphere. You don't have... Well, particularly our model and is that we don't have screens sitting in our faces or TAV in our faces, so it is more conducive to a family-friendly environment. It's enabling people to come in and, and communicate, I suppose, at a more personal level and allow their families to come in and, and operate at a different level as well. It's, it's a lot more relaxing, and so our ability to be able to bring that together off the back of a craft beer industry that's got plenty of good things happening um, in Australia and has got very successful models out there, I think that's just an added bonus. It's it's bringing up the ability to be able to utilise the local area and showcase the local area into a beverage that, at the end of the day, all Aussies love. And in regional in regional towns such as Lismore, it's, um, it's an offering that, that promotes the region but also promotes the people. It's interesting that you observe that about pubs because traditionally pubs were the place that the community, you know, they, they were the, 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 the hub of the community, you know, they were referred to as the local because they were the place that everybody went. Do, do you think that pubs have given up that space a little bit with the rise of pub tabs and pokies and some of the other things that they've added to their business that it's essentially changed what they once were? Yeah, I think, I think particularly in this region, and we can only really talk for this region because this is where this is the space we live and breathe, is that, um, you know, those establishments are very commercially driven where we, we obviously uh, similarly need to make an income and support our families. But, you know, the, as Chucky just uh, referred to, you know, poking machines, TABs, there's a big commercial drive there. Our space here, um, you know, we we use and have it utilised by others, not necessarily for our commercial gain. So, you know, all of our foodies, for instance, that we bring to this premise, we don't charge them. They don't, uh, they don't pay us anything for their, for their ability to serve from our site. They're brought here as, a, as an offering to the public. So, I mean, um, the other difficulty you have in regional town areas is that uh, you referred to them being the local. They're very, it's very much driven around the adult driven around the you know, older people, not so much younger people. So, uh, you know, our facility that we've created here is where uh, where old and young alike can cohabit the place and, you know, they can utilise the place. Um, you know, we've from open grassed areas to, you know, to gaming machines to, uh, as in as in Space Invaders and the likes, you know, general, general gaming stuff that we have here as well. So... You know, just it's just a total, not to say that one doesn't need the other, 
um, you know, those establishments here locally are just as important as, uh, as an establishment like us. We're just, our offering is just a little different which, uh, which is obviously attractive to, to this region, but also attractive to the community here. Yeah, because I mean, it, it's an interesting observation because you still serve, you know, make and serve alcohol, which isn't designed for children. So there is something about your observation about the brew pub model that is a little bit different to pubs in, in the sense that they um, pretty much skew towards, you know, not, not to the families um, and, and, and the younger guest. Yeah, it's about, it's about creating a, a creating a product or a or a group of products that that, that cover um, a, a good majority. We we're always of the intent with this business of creating an offering for everybody. So it doesn't matter who you were, whether you didn't like beer, whether you didn't drink, there was still an offering here and a space that could be utilised. So people will come in here. We have you know we have a part of our business offering is rail yard produce, which you know has our kombucha line. You know, we uh, we do press juices, as in as in we serve and have an offering of press juices. We do uh, local produce, you know, which might be pickles, jams. Um, you know, we've got a whole range honeys. So, you know, it's a space in which people don't people came here just for the food. You know, with the food vans, they don't necessarily come here to consume the uh, the services or the offerings that we have. But that's how we have marketed this. This is how we deliver it to the public. It's a space which. You know, we're constantly evolving. You know, we have approaches from members of the public around art, music. Um, there are a number of, of things that we continue. And our whiteboard just continues to, to fill up with uh, you know, car rally clubs. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, very, it's, it's very much a one, in, one of a kind within this region. Oh, great. So tell us how you got into, because you both make the beer or have you got somebody in to make the beer for you? Uh, you know, definitely we're not in, involved in the hands-on production of the beer. We, yeah, we always knew there'd have to be a third pillar in our model who understands and knows how to make some good beer. You know, we know how to drink it from the other side of the fence, but having that um, third pillar involved was pretty critical for us. Um, and we went through a bit of a journey through our, our startup process um, around brewers um, at varying phases. You know, we went through an extended process as we sought to open our doors, um, had some fallout with a um, with some brewers because of the length of time involved, and also off the back of COVID as well, um, caused a few challenges for us. And eventually, we've ended up uh, with a team right now where um, we have a brewer and we have an assistant brewer on deck. Our brewer, uh, well known in the industry, old pops Witton um, at Stone and Wood. Uh, jumped in to help us out uh, towards the end of last year uh, as we're heading towards our opening and loved us that much that he wanted to he wanted to hang around and keep brewing our beer for us so we brought a younger guy in behind him um who can learn who can learn the trade as well that wouldn't be pops you're uh, referring to yeah yeah no, no our old guy pops yes yeah so so you got pops brewing for you who's a who's a legend in the industry we've uh, spoken to him on the podcast before yeah no he come in at a stage where we just started putting some beer in the tanks and our brewer at the time had to had to make some family decisions and made a decision to head back up into into southeast Queensland. Um, so Pops come on board to help us out uh, through a period and decided that he liked the model that we were all about, that he liked our values and, and really wanted to be part of our journey. And for us having someone with such a 
deep background in the industry. And as I say, he's a bit of a legend of the industry. There's no doubts about that. He's brought in a level of knowledge, uh, which has been massive for us. And who's your young brewer? Where did you source them from? Uh, young Matty Carter. Um, he's a local lad here in Lismore um, who had, a, at the end of the day, had a passion for home brewing. And so we brought him in. You know, we say young. He's uh, in his mid to late 20s, so he's not young, young, but he's he's definitely got lots of, you know, lots of passion and um, was more than happy to jump in and to learn off the likes of Pops and to develop his own skills as well. So you, you realised that you weren't going to be making the beer. You've you, you found a brew team. Tell us what, what it was like. You've, you've had just about everything thrown at you. Uh, I, I think it was only 2019 um, that you decided that the brewery was what you wanted to open, um, which wasn't long before COVID hit. So you, you, you went from planning your, your business to going into a very difficult phase uh, very, very quickly. Talk us about through that journey. Yeah, so it was, um, it's been a long journey. Seems like many, many moons ago now that we actually started it. But um, we kind of started in 19. Um, we worked pretty closely with council, local council, about identifying sites. We, we actually originally had a vision of two mates to go to um, a larger site uh, similar models to say a Margaret Rivers model where you know we go to 5, 10, 15 acres and um, spread our offering over over that size. It wasn't, wasn't attainable or wasn't achievable through the uh, local compliance. Um, so we scaled it back. Uh, we found this site um, as, as directed by council, the process of uh, the early process of you know design of the site and then the DA took shape. Um, you know, we conducted our pre-lodgement meetings with council and made sure we did everything we needed to do. We were pretty thorough about it because we knew we were on a tight timeline or wanted to be on a tight timeline. Um, we committed to all of our infrastructure, so our brew house, which Chuck worked pretty hard with uh, our brewer at that stage. Um, we put together the design of the brew house. It, uh, it was procured from overseas, from China through Tiante. Um, it was a five-month lead time on that. So where we were with rolling this out was we had to pre-commit uh, a, a generous amount of working capital towards the venture before we even pulled the trigger on a on a site. Um, we secured this site, um, which was great. We lodged our DA, um, and then the, the process started to try and get our compliance and get our doors open. And that we talk to you for about six weeks on where we went and the journey we had and the ups and downs we had but effectively the process took us about two years or just over two years how was the council to deal with try to be diplomatic about it because we're <laughs> past uh past that phase um there's a lot that was said through that period a lot of discussions and a lot of um a lot of interaction with council uh, over that two-year period but to be brutally honest with you I guess where we are right now is um, the last thing on our mind is probably that that previous two years because of where we've been in the last three months and where we're going in the next 12 months so Chuck and I are pretty positive guys you know we're we're glass half full guys so at the end of the day we've uh, we met we met with and overcame a lot of adversity through that compliance period right or for wrong um, we traveled that journey we learned a lot from it um, and uh, we moved on to what our next uh, 
challenges were going to be was operating this facility and that was obviously cut short for us because we only got two months on getting our attaining our uh, operation certificate in um, occupation certificate sorry in December last year we got two months of um, two months of trade to then mother nature coming in and having a chat to us so and we'll certainly get to that I guess when you talk about the challenges even diplomatically with the council did they welcome the idea of the business and 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 what the vision were and just have concerns based on the style of business or were they a little bit resistant even to to the idea of a brewery yeah look to be brutally honest i think it's a combination of things it wasn't one thing specifically i think they liked the idea or the concept around what we're trying to do but you're also dealing with a business here that is 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 out has alcohol in it and the context of that delivery under a craft brewery model is totally different to you know the delivery of other models you know um be it re- we're in regional australia low socioeconomic areas you know um domestic violence has become a big issue in within country well not just in country areas but small country town stuff suffers from it so you have minority groups that obviously misread the intent of the uh, of of the proposal or what the business is about um funnily enough through that process we for the people that objected or we had issues with um you know majority of those people have now come on side understanding our business better and what we offer and who we are the other component we had here we're dealing with a 150 year old building so and it sat pretty much empty for the last 15 years it hasn't been used for 50 years in any main form so when we when you came into grabbing this site and then converting it into what we proposed which was a brew house tap house obviously there's a huge amount of compliance stuff that sits with that and that compliance stuff runs local state um so there's a lot of a lot of red tape um you know there's a there's there was a lot of money spent on um justification of or complying with certain requirements under our da the argument we have is, you know, what was justified and what wasn't justified. Um, but, you know, they're the compliance authority. So at the end of the day, you need to tick boxes to to attain your, the outcome you're chasing after. So there'll be, there'll be stories that will be spoken about long into the future <laughs> about money that's been invested and things that were done. And But, you know, again, we just need to keep moving on. I think uh, that getting over that two-year cycle was a massive milestone for us and being able to, to start to move forward. Um, obviously, off the back of that, to be uh, to be what we faced in the last three months is uh, is pure devastation. Mm. Hi everyone, this is Matt. We're breaking into this podcast for a word from our sponsor, as we like to say, but not just any sponsor. As you know, at Bruce News, we're very selective who we work with, and this is a special partnership with Lark Whiskey which is soon to release the fifth incarnation of its collaboration with Wolf of the Willows Brewery. In this annual exchange of ideas and whiskey barrels between Lark and Wolf, Lark hand-selects whiskey casks and sends them to the Victorian-based brewery, who fills them with Imperial Johnny Smoke Porter. Before it is decanted, and the now beer-infused casks are filled with single malt whiskey. Hang around at the end of this podcast to hear my chat with Chris Thompson, master distiller at Lark, and how he discusses the collaboration. But here's a bit of a teaser that actually comes from my preliminary chat with Chris, who gives me some surprising insights when I ask him what beer should do to become a little bit more like whiskey in the consumer's mind. 
beer shouldn't try and be like whiskey. Whiskey should try and be like beer. The rituals involved with beer are integrated into society. They're not pretentious and they add so much. At Lark, we are trying to be more like beer, more democratic, more open and more welcoming to, to new drinkers. Traditionally, that's not what whiskey's been. Beer shouldn't be trying to be a more serious drink. It should be a fun but complex and continue to add to society. Now, that definitely was not the answer I was expecting. And if you enjoyed that, please hang around at the end of this podcast to hear more about Chris's approach to whiskey in this bonus chat. It's a really fascinating insight into the partnership between beer and whiskey. We see so much effort from councils to encourage tourism and visiting and craft breweries particularly are a real draw card because if, if it's beer that you can only get on site, you'd think that that would be something that local tourism driven regions would, would welcome. It's a shame that all alcohol seems to be lumped into the same basket though. Firstly, I mean, the, the region here does support us. I mean, we've got probably 99% support on what we're offering here. There is, there's always a minority of people um, that that will question, dispute, object to. That's understandable. Yep. You'd hope that you know through the process you could run them with you. the The difficulty we had and where we become a bit disillusioned was, I and to peel it back a little bit further, oh, there is a strategic plan that this region has put in place. It's called Innovate Liz or Lismore Innovate 2024, right? And it's a strategic direction of what they want to do within this region and how they want to do it. Now, we, I read that thing back to front before we started this proposal and effectively everything that we did through this proposal followed it and supported it. You know, it was about regrowth. It was about, you know, generation of, you know, employment. It was about trying to, you know, basically put a shot into the local economy here to get people interested in coming back and rebuilding the CBD. So everything that we were doing and that they were wanting to support uh, is what we put on the table for them. So it was very attractive to the council for a business like us. I mean, we were named in the top five local destinations within Lismore and we hadn't even built our facility. So that tells you, you know, what wow. expectation they had on this venue. So. The thing that's actually cut us down was the red tape that we had to get through and then it, it went into the hands of people that run things through the books, you know, and it's all about complying and meeting with and spending money and, um, you know, we, we got to a point where you know, we, we invested a hell of a lot of money on the basis of what council wanted us to do, not needed us to do. So it was um, that, and, and we had, look, I had many arguments pretty much every day for two years with someone, you know, about what we needed to do and what we should do and what we, how we could close matters out. But, you know, it was difficult, I'm not going to lie. Uh, they've had an election up here in December last year. They've got a new council in, new new councillors. They've got a new mayor. Obviously, they've been, he's been presented with a, 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 a unbelievable task off the back of the floods. But um for us, we've run our journey already. There's nothing that really a change of local council uh, would do to ch change our journey where we've been. Let's hope that for the future, um, this council will take us potentially as an example and use that for any other businesses that come to the region and make sure that their journey uh, isn't uh, it, that doesn't follow the same 
long, a bit long. It's it's uh, it's imperative, and, and it's probably no more important now with uh, where the region is in trying to attract and regenerate and regrow from where we are. It, it's it's hard. It's one of those things that we hear regularly at Brews News from brewers. You know, a very very similar story, and you know, we try and report it to breweries in planning but there, there, there just seems to be that element that you can't plan for exactly the nature of the challenge having spent a lot of time thinking about it and and obviously with my background within building and i'd spend a lot of time with councils on other applications you know both in residential and commercial build scenarios is that uh, to be brutally honest i think the issue is and i think it probably is a national thing around councils is they just don't have a full understanding of what a craft brew delivery is so they don't understand the principles of what it's trying to achieve what it embraces um they treat it as a straight line business you know that's as we were looked at here you know serving alcohol we're going to bring problems to the region you know we've got uh, we, we, we're on a, a previous use site that albeit we were encouraged to revitalize this site lift the area of South Lismore on this precinct, which it's done, um, we will put up, put a, put in, a whole lot of hurdles were put in front of us to, to try and achieve that. So just as we got over one hurdle, another one was presented and over the next hurdle, it was, you know, what was a middle distance run turned into marathon. And uh, for us as two families who were self-invested into this, um, you know, that put a huge amount of strain on us uh, financially, emotionally, and to be brutally honest, it didn't need to take the time it took, nor did it need to, you know, uh, run out the way it ran out. And uh, you see a lot of businesses, or like you said, you hear a lot of stories of people that have pulled the pin or changed direction um, purely based on that pressure that's been applied. And I've, I've got no answers for it outside of the fact that I just think that uh, in, in some cases, particularly our case here, there was a lack of knowledge around what we were trying to deliver as a business. You opened late last year. I think it was October, November last year when you finally got the doors opened. Yeah, middle of December, yes. Oh, middle of December, okay, just in time for Christmas. Um, so you had a month of trade uh, during that tourism period before the, uh, the, the, the weather happened. How, how, did, how did it go? How were you received during that initial period? Oh, enormous. The support that the community had shown us through our compliance journey was massive and, and they backed it up with their feet. You know, from the immediate local community of South Lismore through to the greater parts of Lismore and the surrounding regions, we were um, inundated with people coming through the doors. Um, it was a fairly regular occurrence for us to have to put up our, our wear full sign um, in terms of headcounts. Our tap house was... Uh, receiving such a wide group of the community from young families to the older generation to, you know, the brilliant people that this region's got. And everyone was coming in and enjoying what we had. They loved the offering we had. They loved the fact that they could just walk in. As many a patron said to us, you're actually forcing us to talk to each other. <laughs> and God forbid. And added to that was the fact that they had some bloody good beer there. So... And everyone knew they could come in and they had a wide variety of beer through the longevity of our journey we were able to come up with um, a much larger offering than what we otherwise normally would have as a starter so the punters could come in and if they were the traditional you know the traditional beer drinkers um or the phrase that many people use can we just have a, a beer that tastes like beer 
you know, we were able to provide that to them, but also provide a little bit of a craft take on on some of those offerings, but also provide a beer for those that were true crafties in the region. So we, you know, our food truck offerings were great. We had a variety of those. We had some great music starting to come in. It was sensational. Um, Grant and I were extremely happy with those first couple of months um, and our focus on the tap house to get it working the right way that we were now starting to ease our way back from that to start to look at other aspects of the business that we could focus on. Talk to me about the region and, you know, were they coming in for the venue? Were they coming in for the beer? Were they coming in out of curiosity? What what, what was the, you know, what was the people going, great, we finally got a craft brewery like uh, everywhere else? Or what, what was the uh, locals' view? I think, it, I think it encapsulated all of that, yeah. to tell you the truth. I think uh, there were people that the timeline we had in lead up to this was, was throughout the community. Uh, people knew our journey. They knew the struggles we had and they knew you know, how hard we were fighting to get the doors open. So notwithstanding that, that was all through, you alluded to it before, it was all through COVID. So we actually opened our doors up in the middle of COVID and, uh, and still... Um, you know, uh, bringing numbers, you know, by the hundreds through our doors over over that uh, for, over that first two month period, and it was a combination of travels. Uh, obviously, we opened up when the um, border had just opened as well uh, to Queensland, so we were getting the destination. So there were the destination travellers who'd heard our story. Um, there was the local support here through South Lismore or the Southies as they refer them to, but then the greater region of people sporting you know, sporting groups, business groups. Um, you know, there was uh, the attraction was around our brews. There was a lot of feedback around the good quality beer that we had. And that, uh, for Chuck and I, that was probably one of the first things when we discussed this and we discussed incorporating the brew house into our, you know, our business model was uh, we have some good mates in high places with some of the big brewers. And uh, they basically said the key to success of a business, of your business, notwithstanding the, the other, the, the, some of the other main elements, but the two keys to success was the community loving your business and your brand and, the, and, uh, and having really good beer. So we put some really good focus around that. And, and so you'd, you'd been open for, what, two months and then suddenly we had a little bit of rain. Talk us through, t- tell us how that developed for you from, from how, how that all came about. Did you have advanced warning? 28th February, Sunday, uh, we've, I'm at home, Chuggy's at home, um, my wife's at work, she's a nurse, she's an RN up here, and uh, they announced that um, the flood's coming in, it's going to peak at 11 and a half, and uh, it's going to go over the levee, you know, 10.6 is the levee, it's going to go over at uh, 2.30 or 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, we then come into... Uh, listening to the reports, everybody's sitting via their radio or online and then says it's going to go to 12 and a half metres. Um, it's going to come over the levee at 2am. So um, Chuck and I come into the brew house just to make sure we can get everything up. Uh, we get it up a little bit further. We, When we did our due diligence on this site, uh, the last flood that was in here was in 74 and came six inches across the floor and that was the highest ever recorded. So. We weren't too concerned, to tell you the truth. We thought, um, you know, there was a flood coming and we needed to suitably prepare, but we didn't think we'd have much impact over the site. Um, but uh, weren't we wrong? At the end of the day, we um, 
we came in at about 10 o'clock at night. Chucky took his caravan home um, up the hill, so he was out. He asked if he um, he wanted him, well wanted him to come back. So that's all good, mate. I'll just do flood watch. I'll stay here overnight and just make sure everything's okay. And uh, but we should be all right. I'll see you in the morning. So expectation, you know, he'd come back in the morning, and we just uh, either be putting things back in their place, or you know, we'd be tidying up. Um, at 12:30, uh, they threw up the. 14-4 notice. So I was here. I um, at that point in time, um, I went to leave the building, went outside, and there was about half a meter of water going over our car park. Um, it was at that stage. It was um, it was like a like rapids. Um, because we sit higher here than we do around the surrounding areas, that meant there was probably about a meter, a meter and a half. So I was stranded at that point. So knew it wasn't going anywhere so we um so i came in so back inside i closed the doors up to the shed and um sat upstairs in the office and watched it all unfold in front of us so and that for me in that period i was talking to chook on the phone i was talking to my wife through the process it was pretty hard because it was uh two what was that eight hours of time um and just see everything get pulled apart was just devastating when the water went down, because the water was high enough that your um, fermenters actually floated off the ground, didn't they? So we had uh, just under three, just on three and a half metres through our building. So basically everything that sits with our site went under or if it didn't go under, it popped and lifted and, and moved. So we had our brew equipment at the back because none of it's fixed to floor. So it had, it had popped and lifted. Um, thankfully, in some cases with our brew house, we, we were lucky it did do that because it saved a lot of the componentry within it. Right. The only place it didn't get to was our office. So it uh, it sat about a centimetre below going into our office floor, um, but everything else uh, basically took in its stride. So. It, it's very hard to ask the question about how you feel when you've gone through so much, you've just been opened, you've seen the welcome, and then all of that work has come to naught effectively. How do you restart from that? Because initially there were suggestions that you may not come back from it. Pretty overwhelming and surreal. There's a whole number of words you could use to explain process, I think, individually as families you know, and with our wives. And you go through a whole number of thoughts. Um, you know, there's regret, there's fear, there's, there's just a whole, whole range of emotions that hit you. But... One, one thing that we were adamant about, obviously, in it happening, and uh, when I got, I happened to be saved out of this building. I had a Bodhi come in and grab me up out of the building and uh, took me back to uh, the eastern side of Lismore, which is actually separated from my family. So I actually didn't see my wife and my kids for two days, but I actually got to spend time with uh, Chucky and his wife, Frances, over at their house for a couple of days. and. In that period, I think we very quickly, um, and we needed to, as 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 majority of the people within this region needed to, because the impact was far and wide. We needed to really just accept what had happened, and then and then work on how we were going to get ourselves out of it. And that's when we just went immediately into work mode. And for two three weeks, we just cleaned tirelessly. We lived in gum boots, and we just cleaned just for two, three weeks straight. We had uh, 20, 30 people through here over that period of time. 
the support was unbelievable. Um, I think through devastation, it kind of brought people together. It certainly brought Chuck and I as mates and as and our families closer together because we've had to live and breathe this, and and we have had to sit down and rethink where we're going and what we're doing because uh, you know the two years' work we've done previously was was very quickly torn apart by a um, by a devastating catastrophic event. And how was the community support apart from, because I guess the whole community was decimated when we hear the stories. Yeah, definitely. Oh, look, Lismore was, it was a war zone. There's no other way to describe it. When you're going past houses and there's six metre piles of rubbish outside them that people have just thrown everything they own, including wall coverings and gyprock and beds and like family possessions out on the streets and businesses of, you go past a second story business and everything's just been thrown out the window and you've got a seven metre pile of rubbish out the front of a business. Everything was just torn apart. But off the back of that is that everyone started jumping in and helping out everyone in any way they could. You know, we saw it firsthand where you know, young girls would just walk in and just offer to help. We've never met them before. They just wanted to do anything. It was a very emotional period. It was a, it was a very tough period for people to come in I suppose one to offer their support but to actually sit back and accept that you needed it really really hit you yeah it was a very emotional period of our lives and i don't wish to ever have to go through that again and i didn't live through that night like granted watching the water come up but as a business owner but more importantly as a human being it was devastating but this community has jumped in and helped everybody at every level and then outside of the local community then kicked in as people get access to this region into the into the greater community, the greater business community, and more importantly, the brewing industry that jumped in and helped us out at so many levels was, um, it was extremely humbling um, and still remains to be humbling at certain steps. And, and we see examples of it every second day now still of um, of businesses and people that are willing to still jump in and try and help us, help other businesses and help this town and this region head forward the right way. And are you back operational now? Are you brewing? Is uh, Neil uh, on, on the tools again? He sent me a text this morning saying, Chuck, <laughs> saying, when can we start brewing again? And <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately, our brew house is still a little bit off uh, being able to be used. Um, we've got a team working through that as we speak. Um, but through the amazing support of the industry, we've managed to find tank space um, through some uh, some breweries, small and large, that are fairly close to us, um, who are getting some of our beers in tanks. So we've got beer backed up as we move forward, as we can travel this uh, rebirth uh, journey. The tap room is open, so anyone who wants to, uh, particularly in northern New South Wales or southern Queensland or even further afield who wanted to uh, go for a bit of a journey um, can come in and check it out. Absolutely. Yes. So we, so one, one of the driving forces behind this, and just to follow on from what Chuck said about the, obviously the devastation of this and the, the impact of it is that, you know, for a lot of us and a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people in this region, you know, they still haven't fully dealt with, the impact of what's occurred. So there's been no time. You know, we've had to hit the ground running. 
and uh, with that, we've had to, you know, show a straight, show a brave face, and really just keep powering on at for not only for each other as business partners, but our families, our wives, because it's very easy to kind of throw it in a hole and give it up. It would have been easy to close the doors and walk away from me. So, a few things like that, like our tap house, a big driving force was Lismore currently has nothing, very minimal services open. And that's Greater Lismore as well. So that's South Lismore, you know, um, the services you have operating really around things like Woolworths and, you know, Coles and g general things we take for granted or are all up the hill, Canella Bar way, so, or in Casino where I'm from. Um, the region itself's got nothing. So the driving force for us was getting our tap house open so people had a space to which they could come. And it wasn't necessarily about, um, you know, selling beer uh, it was about create giving people a space to which they could come in after a shit day and that's pretty much what it is I mean, hard shit days of shoveling mud and sorting through personal possessions and running the huge emotional roller coaster that is the cleanup um, was having a space they could come to to share and sit and we did that we opened up very quickly after the floods albeit it was in can and bottle um, you know we Managed to do that, and we're continuing to do that for the for the community, uh, either direct immediate community here or surrounding areas or travellers. I mean, one thing for certain at the moment, uh, Lismore is and continues to be identified as a disaster zone. So you know, it's not really that place. You, you're at the moment, you pack a picnic basket and want to travel to. So, so our driving destination type punters that want to come into the region and you know, enjoy our space or enjoy our products are tending not to come into the region for for obvious reasons. Um, but we also know that that will come back uh, over time. It's a, it's a good, this, the rebuild here, the clean, the rebuild and the regrowth is a is a grind and it's a longer, longer process. But we're here 100% to support first and, um, first and most importantly, this community um, and then, you know, and then the industry and, and, and beyond. Um, there's one thing that's come out of this uh, and one thing that we can do, Chuck mentioned at the start, and it was always our intent to create a legacy for our families and a legacy for the region. Um, and off the back of this devastation, we as a business have been launched nationally and had the opportunity to be able to, I guess, tell our story on a number of platforms, um, which, you know, has opened up you know, the minds and hearts of people around around and outside of this area um, we'll continue to do that and we'll continue on our journey to as chuck said to rebirth our business bigger and better and um, and um, continue to do the things we we're doing in lead up to the to the uh to the flood event well guys that sounds like as good a place as anywhere to leave it and uh just pleased that you're back up and running and uh so how long till you think you'll be brewing again uh look we're working on a on a timeline of two to three months right obviously a lot of that depends on procurement of materials um yeah. and also ensuring a lot of little hidden things that we can't see right now you know will fall our way as well as we work through the brew house but that's our current timeline that we're working to and as we as that period unfolds we'll soon see if it's going to be longer or if we can make it particularly shorter but we'll just keep navigating that path on a day-to-day -day basis and in dealing with anything that keeps coming at us all, all the very best. Looking forward to getting down there once you are welcoming guests again uh, or, or travellers again. But uh, we'll we'll check in on you uh, once, once you're brewing again and see how it's all going. 
just one other thing we've um as part of this whole process we've and uh we're talking about the generosity of others we've we've managed or we are in the process of um canning or will be canning a flood recovery bid which uh which we've done for the market it was done off the basis of donations from industry um we've put a flood recovery bid together which we'll be releasing to market in the coming weeks um, we'll look, and, look out for that. So we'll uh, yeah. make sure we um, put it on the um, on, on Brewers News. And do you want to sing out any, any of the breweries and suppliers that have helped you out? Absolutely. Oh, most definitely. Um, yeah, we've got the likes of East Case Canning have been tremendous for us. Aurora, um, Aurora uh, Cans have been, uh, they've been massive supporters of us through this journey. We've got, you know, we talk about breweries, we're talking the likes of Stone and Wood Blackhawks. So we've got some big players out there who have come in and, really backed us and supported us and that includes lift you know physical lifting through the tough times when we're starting to clean out and guys like railings um bintani uh, cryo malt um and then the littler breweries such as seven mile and wandana um we've had the guys from earth brewing come in and um assist as well at varying levels so those guys have all helped us through this phase at larger levels smaller levels um, and a lot of them are continuing to help us on a day-to-day basis, albeit just through a phone call to ask how we're doing. Oh, it's a wonderful industry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we, we look, we we come from two different industries. Took and I, he's out of apparel, I'm out of construction, and to be greeted with that under through through adversity um, and the support and love we've got from everyone around this uh, has been certainly one of the. One of the main reasons it's kept us moving forward, I think, um, the industry's fucking amazing, mate. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't put it, express it any other way. It's uh, just an unbelievable place to be, and we continue and will be there well into the future. Well, guys, all the very best, and I look forward to uh, getting down and hopefully with uh, some of my team. So, uh, congratulations on what you've achieved, and all the very best. Hopefully, uh, uh, things run smoothly from here on in. Good stuff. All right, thanks, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that was Grant Smith and Andrew Newton. If you're a listener, don't forget you can join the conversation on the best discussion group on the internet, the Radio Brews News Facebook group. To join the group, just search for Radio Brews News in Facebook and use the password Soapbox. If you like what we do, you can help us out. As a business, you can sponsor or advertise on the show. If you're a listener, you can review us on Apple Podcasts, or you can also provide a small amount of assistance with the sponsorship, and there's a link to that in the show notes. You can also give us some feedback by emailing us at producer at producenews.com.au to share your thoughts on the interview, who you would like to hear us interview, and also the show generally. Don't forget we're back this Thursday with another episode of Brews News Week, where we do a deep dive into all of the beer industry news of the week. Malt has been supplying the best ingredients to Australian and New Zealand brewers for 30 years. Their range of malt, hops and yeast is sure to take your beer to the next level. Proud sponsors of Brews News and Beer as a Conversation since the very beginning. Learn more about Cry Malt at www.crymalt.com.